Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. There's nothing you can do or I can do to deal with our own sin. It requires a touch from God. The only way our sin can be washed away, the only way our sin can be dealt with, it requires the involvement of God, that God would touch us, that God would heal us, that God would bring deliverance to us. And so, um, like leprosy, the only known cure is a touch from the Lord. The only way that we can be cured, cleansed, ministered to of our sin, our sins washed away, is going to be a touch from the Lord. Leprosy was an incurable disease in biblical times. If you had it, it would eventually lead to death, and you couldn't even spend time with healthy people anymore if you had it. Pastor Bill is going to take you to the book of Leviticus today to show you how deadly and life-changing it was for the worse. Sin is the same way. It leads you to death in a life isolated from the joys you had before in life. And just like leprosy, the only way to cure it is to go to God for healing and to give it all to Him. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 11 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Leprosy was very contagious. That's why they had to be separate from everybody else. Um, people around would catch it easily. It was easily communicated, easily given over disease, and so you had to get away from everybody. It was highly contagious. Sin is also highly contagious. That's why the Bible, over and over again, so many places, the Bible warns us to be careful who we hang out with as Christians because sin is contagious. I know so many people that have felt like, I'm super strong, I'm a super Christian. I can hang out with anybody at any time and do anything, I'll be all right. Bible says, let God be true and every man a what? A liar. If God says you can't do it, you can't do it. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. It's one of the don't be deceived. Every time in your Bible, God opens a phrase with don't be deceived, it's because many people are deceived in that area and he's fixing it for us. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, God says, do not be deceived. Bad company or evil company corrupts good character, good morals. Bad company or evil company will corrupt good morals. The word corrupt there, it speaks of what happens to a body in a grave. Uh, a body in a grave is deteriorating, it's, it's corrupting, it's decaying in the grave. God says that's what bad company will do to someone that has good morals. You take a kid that's been raised in a Christian home, Christian atmosphere for their whole life. 18 years they've been raised this way. And then stick them around a bunch of non-believers for a little small amount of time and it'll have a corrupting effect on them. Why? Why is that? Because Bible says don't be deceived. Evil company will corrupt. It'll be like it never happened. When I went to college, I wasn't saved when I first went. I went to Dominguez Hills. And when I got there, I went with the intentions to turn up. And it wasn't even called turn up back then. But it was my whole intention in going was I was going to go tear up at that place and party, party as much as I could. And that's what I did. Um, like I said, I wasn't saved. I didn't know God. I was lost as I could be at that period of my life. Um, but I remember meeting people there that had, you know, come from different places. They were living on campus and you would just hear how people had come from different places. And I'm an adult now. And so I look back and I see it with different eyes. 
And I would just, you see kids whose parents had raised them up a certain way and had all kind of hopes and aspirations for how well they'd be doing as they're away at school. And they're probably proud at home saying, oh yes, little Jimmy's there, he's at college, he's living on campus, but I'm there with little Jimmy. Little Jimmy ain't never drank, I'm mixing drinks. I'm saying, man, you got everybody drink this and smoke that and run over here. And I watched kids the whole time I was there drink for the first time and never stop. Get high for the first time and keep it rolling. Um, and I can name other things. I won't defile you tonight. But just a little while of making bad friends. They should have made better friends. They shouldn't have made friends with me at that period of time. You know, bad company will corrupt good morals. So in the same way that sin, it has a corrupting effect. It does. Um, in the same way leprosy is contagious, sin is the same way. We have to be careful who we hang out with. Um, be cautious. Who we call friend who we spend our time, just kind of relaxed time, hanging out with. We have to be careful as believers. Even if we're strong in the Lord and we're walking for a long time, the Bible can't be wrong. And so God said, I don't care how long I've been saved and I'm a pastor, there are people that I can't kick it with. There are people that can't be my friends, um, that I can't hang out, relax with them because of how they're living. God says, hey, be careful. Don't be deceived, Bill. Bad company will corrupt your good character, your good morals. It'll just corrode away. You know why? Because underneath, you know what I am still? I'm a sinner. So I still live in this flesh. I'm still carnal to the core. And so giving myself in a wrong situation, wrong scenarios, my default setting is not holy. My default setting is not spiritual. It's carnal. And so I got to be careful. But I, I will say this, you know, before we get off of this, hanging out with the right people have the opposite effect. 2 Timothy 2.22, you know, Paul told Timothy that, you know, flee you for us, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who are calling on the Lord out of a pure heart. God said, man, find you some people that are calling on me out of a pure heart and run with them. Y'all encourage each other along the way. So sin is um, like leprosy in that it hides under the surface. Like leprosy in that um, it brings separation. Like leprosy in that it's contagious. And the fourth and final way that it's like Leprosy and sinner synonymous is this. For leprosy, there was no medicinal cure. There was nothing man could do to cure you of leprosy. The only provision made in the word of God was provision made that if God healed you of it, and we'll see that later on as we continue through the laws concerning it, the provision made in the word of God for the leprosy being cleansed or gone away, it was a provision that would require God's touch. The only way a leper could be cleansed is if God healed him. God touched him. And so it's the same way with sin. There's nothing any human being can do to deal with my sin. There's nothing a person can do to help deal with your sin. There's nothing you can do or I can do to deal with our own sin. It requires a touch from God. The only way our sin can be washed away, the only way our sin can be dealt with, it requires the involvement of God, that God would touch us that God would heal us, that God would bring deliverance to us. And so, um, like leprosy, the only known cure is a touch from the Lord. The only way that we can be cured, cleansed, ministered to of our sin, our sins washed away, is going to be a touch from the Lord. Um, I like to close. I like everybody to turn to Luke chapter 17. I want to just look at briefly the story here of the 10 lepers. Luke chapter 17. When you get it, say, got it. We'll be looking at verses 12 through 19. All right, Luke 17, starting at verse 12, it says, Then he entered, speaking of Jesus, a certain village, 
And there met him there 10 men who were lepers and they stood afar off. Why did they stand afar off? Because they were unclean. And it says, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. So these 10 men that were lepers, um, again, they're separated. They know it. It says that they stood afar off because they had to. And when they saw the Lord, it says that they cried out. They lifted up their voices. They yelled out and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And we know this. We don't know who the lepers were. We don't know what kind of spiritual background they have, but they recognize Jesus and they called him and they called him Jesus and they called him master and they asked him to have mercy upon them. They realized that obviously they believed that he could heal them and they were crying out for him to have mercy. Verse 14, so when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. Just like what we just read. If you were cleansed of your leprosy, the provision made was you go back to the priest and they would examine you to determine whether or not you had been cleansed and if so, you had to offer offering, so forth and so on. So it says, so Jesus told him, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. I don't want to skip over that. They were cleansed as they went in obedience to his word. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. They could have said, but I still see leprosy on me. So I'm going to go when I start to be cleansed. But Jesus said, go and they went. And it was as they went that they were cleansed. I think that's so important that many times God tells us to do things that don't make any sense things that we can't see yet. Um, what does it require? If you can't see it yet and you got to act like you see it, what does that require? Faith, right? The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. And so God required them to walk by faith. Walk by faith to go see the priest, to show him that you're cleansed. Well, as they first were getting ready to head out, they had not been cleansed yet. But it said as they went, they were cleansed. Um, as they were on their way, they were cleansed. Verse 15 and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice and glorified God. And so I just, in this story here, 10 guys are cleansed, they're healed of their leprosy. Um, again, what that would have meant for them at that time, it'd be like somebody with the final stages of AIDS today, HIV, they're at the final stages being healed. Not gonna die, not contagious, you can get them out of the hospital. You can go home. You, all that's back off the table. I mean, they were able to go back into society, back into life. Um, a big thing had been done for them and the healing of their leprosy. And as is so often the case, they were very passionate in their request from the Lord. But when they have received their healing, only one of them is going to return to say thanks. And I think that's many times how we are, that when we're desperate for something from the Lord, Lord, we're crying out, Master, just you're praying, you're believing, you're seeking him, you're all up in his face. But after we've been healed, after we've been delivered, after whatever happens, whatever has been granted, many times we just forget. People forget there's no passion in worship afterwards. There's no passionate thank you to the Lord. We don't meet God. Our begging is much more passionate than our thanksgiving. Um, something we should all be careful about. God should not only see me excited to be in his presence when I'm coming asking. 
I shouldn't only be, you know, rejoicing, you know, when I'm looking for something for him. Um, every believer has received something very great from the Lord. And so we're going to learn a lesson here through this. Ten lepers are healed. They're cleansed. Um, it says that one guy comes back after he realized that he had been healed when he saw he was healed. Verse 15, he returned and it says with a loud voice, he glorified God. So the one guy that returned came back. And it says it with a loud voice, he glorified God. What's significant about him doing it with a loud voice? It says there was no shame. He didn't come back and whisper, hey, Lord, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much. I don't want to disturb the people around us. When they were asking for healing, they did it with a loud voice. And when he comes back to say thank you, he came back and said it with a loud voice. Um, we'll learn a little bit about praise here, right? Um, there can be very restrained praise. Thank you, a little praise, a little praise, thank you, you know. Um, there can be very emotional, unrestrained praise. Um, in this instance here, it's praise that's going forth, and it's very unrestrained. One is with a loud voice, he glorified God. Verse 16 says, he fell down on his face at his feet, so that his posture, his voice was loud, his posture was humble. He fell down on, you couldn't be in a more humble position before somebody else than to fall down at their feet. He fell down at his feet, um, just humbling himself as humble as you can humble yourself before somebody. He fell down on his face at his feet. So he didn't just get on his knees. He just fell down. I'm envisioning a man that's fully prostrate on the floor on his face before the Lord saying, thank you with a loud voice, glorifying God. And then it says, and he was there giving him thanks. And it just points out that this guy was a Samaritan. Now, this would have been a jab to all the Jews that were present, all the religious folk. Um, because typically it's religious folk that are a little too uppity to glorify God like this. Um, it'd be the religious folk around here that they're not honoring Jesus. They weren't receiving Christ for who he was and many times what God did, as you see it through the Gospels, as one group would reject them, he would just reach out to another group. The Jews, you don't want me? I'm going after the Gentiles then. See that through Acts. Well, here, you know, Jews are rejecting Christ's whole earthly ministry. The, he said, hey, this guy that came back to give thanks happened to be a Samaritan. How y'all feel about that? Same thing with the story of the Good Samaritan. So it would be a jab to the Jews that were hearing this later. And so, but he fell down, says that the guy happened to be a Samaritan. And in verse 17, so Jesus answered and said to him, were there not 10 cleansed, but where are the nine? That tells me that there was an expectation from Jesus that everybody should come back and tell me thank you. Everybody should have come back to give me prayer. All 10 should have come back and give me praise. I'm receiving praise from this guy. That also is a hint that Jesus is God because if he weren't God, he wouldn't receive praise. He's receiving praise. He's receiving glory. He didn't tell the guy, hey, stop, stop, stop. Don't do that. You know, he received it. And then he said, as a matter of fact, when he, he didn't say stop, he said, hey, where are the other nine? Y'all, there should be 10 people here doing what you're doing. It's just you. And as I look at this story, I realize this, that the nine guys that were cleansed of their leprosy, right? They would all die of something else. So they were healed. It is a big deal. They'll just die later of something else. Um, they didn't get saved. They didn't come to faith in Christ. For everybody that thinks, you know, physical miraculous healings would help more people get saved, 10 people got miraculously physically healed. Only one of them ends up getting saved. We're going to see it right here. 
Nine guys went away lost, but healed to die of something else. Uh, maybe they come to faith later, we don't know, but they didn't come back right here. This one guy comes back, falls down on his face, worships God with a loud voice, gives him glory, happens to be a Samaritan. God says, hey, where are your buddies at? They're not here. And then notice what Jesus says in verse 18 and 19. He says, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. He was already healed. So when Jesus says your faith has made you well, what's he talking about now? Already been healed. Leprosy's gone. He already came back to give thanks for the leprosy. God said, look, your faith has made you well. This guy came back and in his coming back to worship the way he did, it was a demonstration of faith. It was a demonstration of his belief in who Jesus was. And Jesus said, hey, I see your faith. I see your faith in your worship. I see your faith in the way that you're praising me. I see your faith in that you came back to give glory to me as God. That faith right there has made you well. This guy was not just cleansed of his leprosy. He was also made well. Um, he was made right with God in this instance right here. We know that faith is our faith in Christ, our confession and our faith in Christ that saves us. This guy right here, Jesus says, hey, your faith has made you well, spiritually speaking. And so... Just as we wrap this up, as we looked at the synonymous items of sin and, and leprosy, um, when I look at what this guy is doing because he received a physical healing, I'm reminded as a believer that's been forgiven of my sins. I was separated, but I've been reconciled. Um, I was in a contagious state of sin. I've been delivered from that. Um, you know, I was in a position where only God could have, you know, healed me, delivered me. God did that for me. And God said, now for the rest of your life, I mean, we should be giving him thanks. We should be glorifying him. We should be on our mission to see other people reconciled to the Lord. And this guy here, you know, it was after the physical healing, but God recognizes his faith. Your faith has made you well. We've been forgiven. We've received the greater healing, every Christian. We've been forgiven of sin that you wouldn't just die. Um, leprosy is just a physical thing. You die and that'd be that. We had sin. Sin's worse than leprosy. If you die of sin, you go to hell forever. So it's a forever penalty on that for eternity. And so sin is worse than leprosy. The penalty on it is worse. The impact of it is worse. We've been forgiven of something far greater. We've been cleansed of a disease greater than leprosy, sin. And so as believers, as Christians, we should be a people that should just praise, should just flow out of the believer. It should just be a way of life for us. You should be just walking around humming praise all the time. How you doing? There should be something on your lips always in which you could just say, God, you know what? On your worst day, you could praise God. God is good. God's done this for me. Lord's faithful. Um, something, I mean, every day in every situation and not in a fraudulent, you know, I'm blessed and highly favored type thing, but I'm saying in a legitimate, sincere, real way for the believer, there should be always something for which we could just give God glory. Well, can you glorify God? You got to think about that when you wake up every day. What can I glorify God about today? What can I thank him for today? A um, few things as we get ready to close. Um, we looked at the leper. We looked at the disease there, but I'm looking at it and saying, hey, we're dealing with something even greater, sin. And it's been washed. It's been forgiven. We've been healed. Um, we're able to come before the Lord. We're not separated anymore. We're able to be in fellowship and communion and intimacy with the Lord. And what I see in this story here is that God said, hey, I'm really looking forward to 10 people coming to give me thanks. Jesus doesn't just expect your praise. He desires it. 
There's not a whole lot of things that he desires, but our praise is something that God desires. Do we give him praise? In your prayer life, do you give God praise? As you talk about him to other people, do you give him praise? Is your communication to and about the Lord always uh, asking or is it balanced? We should ask. We should see. He told us to do that too. But is it balanced out with giving him thanks and praise? Should be. We should be a people. We have so much to be thankful for that that should be a normal part of what we're offering back to the Lord, that we be giving him praise and giving him thanks and honoring him in that way, glorifying him in that way. Because as I read this here, he says he was expecting it. He was looking for it. And if he expected some men that have been healed of a physical ailment to give him thanks, I know he expects those that have been forgiven of their sins to give him thanks, to give him praise, to glorify him. And I would just leave us with this encouragement. I encourage you to be a little less restrained in your giving of glory to the Lord. This guy right here didn't care what people thought. He wasn't worried about looking cool. Ain't nobody cool with your face on the floor. His intention was worship, and that's what he was doing. He came to worship the Lord. I've had people ask me as we, when we have praise at church, like, hey, would it be okay if I knelt down? Is it? I'm, yes, kneel. Kneel before the Lord. I mean, you know, would it be okay if I ran around after the fool? No, we'll carry you out. But kneel down, humble yourself. Yes, glorify God. Yes, lay on your, yes, yes, you can. Yes, we can glorify God. Yes, you can have a moment in his presence. Yes, you can kneel down. Yes, we can raise our hands. Yes, we can sing aloud. Yes, we can go. Yes, he expects it. Um, that there shouldn't be anything about that. You know, some people are ashamed. And even in the congregational sense to worship. Um, so they won't. They'll just watch and observe others worship. You ain't got to have a good voice. You ain't mic'd. You, just, you know, the Bible says make a joyful noise. Um, so when I think of a joyful noise, it didn't say it had to be on key. Didn't say it had to be in perfect tune. Just joyful noise to the Lord. Everybody can do that. Babies can make a joyful noise. Old folks can make a joyful noise. You don't have to have any kind of musical intonation to make a joyful noise. Everybody can do that. So I encourage us, especially if you know you've been redeemed, you've been saved and forgiven, you've been cleansed. Man, give God the glory that's due him. Give him thanks. And also in closing, um, as we looked at the one similarity of leprosy and sin, that it separates. That we be mindful of those around us that are separated right now. Um, and what are we doing for them? What am I doing? What are you doing for the people around you that you're looking and saying, man, right now, their condition before God is they're separated. What are you doing for them? Are you sharing with them? Are you doing your part as a minister of reconciliation? Does God have access, 2 Corinthians 5, to plead through you? Can he say it through you? Can he tell them through you to come to Jesus, man, be reconciled to God? Would you give yourself to God in that way? In this holiday season, we're going to see people we don't always see. We're going to be around family. Some of y'all going to be around people you don't like. Stop it. Stop not liking people. Uh, we're going to be around people that, you know, we're not always around. Man, let it be a time. Let the Lord use you. Just be a minister of reconciliation. Go love on some people. Look for some opportunities to share and tell some people, man. Tell them what Jesus did for them. Sometimes just in your worship, just in your giving God glory. Be a witness in that way. Hey, what have you been up to? What have you been doing? You know, think about that before you go. You're going to be asked. People create small talk. They talk for nothing. Hey, how's it going? People ask that all. They don't really want to know, but they ask it. So have a good answer. 
Hey, how you doing today? Have an answer for that. People that don't even know you will ask you that. How you doing? Have an answer for that, that'll glorify God. You're going to go around family, hey, how you guys been? What's new? Have something. Have an answer for that that's going to glorify God. Like These are all cheap ways that people give you every day that you can throw Jesus up in there and give him glory. Um, just a little forethought, a little prayer, a little willingness. But man, see what God will do through us as we give him that. Amen. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Thanks for tuning in. Leviticus is often a book that gets overlooked and misjudged. Though it seems to be full of meaningless and insignificant rules, nothing can be further from the truth. All of Scripture is so important to understanding not only your faith, but also the heart of God. When God created the Ten Commandments, they weren't meant to control. They were meant to help guide. God desires for all His children to understand that life in Him can be full and rich. And that's all God wants for you too. But He won't force you to live in Him or live by His guidance. You get to choose it. What a gift! If you're looking to dive deeper into Leviticus or other scriptures, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word of God on a daily basis. Look on our website, CalvaryInglewood.org. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Leviticus. But before we go, we'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry financially. Any amount is appreciated. These teachings are broadcast on the radio and help spread the good news of the gospel. That's a powerful thing. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryInglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything. We hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. We look forward to you joining Pastor Bill again next time, right here on A Transforming Word.